How many of us this morning will admit that we have a daily routine? Every day, it's the same thing. Same routine every single day. When we get up, we eat breakfast, we, we, we go to work, we return home, eat supper, watch a little bit of television, and then go to bed and then repeat the same steps the very next day. Now, I'm sure that there are some of us here this morning that have a few more steps, and there might even be some of us that have a few less steps. But um, I guess we can honestly say that we are all different. Everyone in this room this morning, we're all different. We have different occupations, different interests, and different lifestyles. And I'm sure that we've heard the people ask this age-old question. Is this all there is to life? How many of, have any of us ever heard someone ask that question? How many of us ha have ever asked that question? Or the question, there's got to be more to life than this. What I find interesting about this is it's not just unbelievers who ask these questions. Jesus tells us in, in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to, to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I've got some good news for you this morning. I've got some great news for you. There is more to life than this. And if we are not seeing it for ourselves or even living it, I think it's safe to say that we are missing something. And when we begin to look in, in places uh, because, we're, because we're missing the more, could we be finding a substitute? But the truth is, you see, we have a guide. We have a guide in life. And if we are not trusting our guide to indeed guide us through our lives, I think we are honestly missing more out of the Christian life. You know, I'm 41 years old, and, and I will be the first to admit that, that, that there's times I, too, need to ask for guidance. There's times when I need to call up a mentor and say, hey, I need your advice on something. Or, I'm really going through this right now. What's the best decision that I need to take? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. We all need guidance. We all need, need a guide, and God has given us a, a guide in life because he knew that we needed a guide that we can trust. This guide is the Holy Spirit. We're continuing in, in the book of Numbers today, and I'm going to take chapter 9, verses 15 through 23, and, and we're going to piece it together this morning, and we're going to learn how the children of Israel were guided by God in the most interesting way. It, the most interesting way, and we're, going, and we're going to learn how we too can learn to trust our God, to trust our God. Because during this time, the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness. How many of us find, find at times that we too are, are ourselves in the wilderness? But God has given us a guide. The first thing that we need to understand about trusting our God is that our guide is always with us. Our guide is always with us. He's always there. 
And there are times when he may choose to reveal himself in different ways for different situations. But he's always there. Numbers 9, 15 through 16 says this. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony. And at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. I think that might have been pretty neat to see. And I bet it's a safe bet to say that I think everyone in this room has some kind of smartphone, an iPhone, or whatnot. But um, there is one thing on an iPhone that I really appreciate personally, and that's a GPS. Yes, I really appreciate GPSs. Because let's be honest, and gentlemen, I'm talking to you. How many times have we been driving along and our wives have, have looked at us and said, you're lost, aren't you? I'm not going to admit how many times Megan has had to ask me that question. But you see, the GPS is very handy. Because it will not only tell us which way to turn, it will tell us what street to go down. Also, it tells us when to turn left, when to turn right. It will even tell us how long it's going to take us to get there. And what time we're going to get there. So, parents, next time our kids ask us, are we there yet? We can seriously tell them when we're going to get there. Now, they may not like the answer, but we can at least tell them when we're getting there. And even though GPS is handy and pretty accurate, the Holy Spirit is our only perfect guide. But if we were to ask Him for directions... If we were to ask God for, for directions, I don't think He would merely just tell us. I think He would tell us, scoot over and let me drive. Popular contemporary Christian singer Toby Mack, he's got a song called Backseat Driver. And um, what's even funnier about the song is usually whenever I hear this song, I, I just so happen to be driving. And, and I think of this every time. But, uh, but, but the way these lyrics go, it says, GPS locked and the map was set. Thought I had it all right till the road went left. Spinning out of control in this Coupe de Ville. Now I'm sitting shotgun. Jesus, take the wheel. You see, the Lord d doesn't want to be our co-pilot. And he doesn't want to be our backseat driver. He, wa he wants us Sit, a sitting shotgun. He wants us to be the ones letting him drive. He wants to drive us. Psalm 23, 1 through 3, David says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me to paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice that he is not giving us directions to still waters. He's not merely telling us where to go. He's taking us there personally. He is not giving us the directions to paths of righteousness. He's guiding us there personally. He's taking us there. 
What do we need to do ourselves to put our trust in Him? The hardest part is that we don't always find Him or, 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 or notice Him because maybe we're not looking right. Maybe we're not looking in the right places because, di- because different times and, and occasions in our life, maybe we're looking for something else. But you see, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. How hard do, do we look for guidance? How, hard, how bad do, do we want to, to be guided? No matter what season of life that we're currently in. Have we trained ourselves to find him and not be satisfied until we do find him? And we need to understand that our God is always with us because he said it himself. In Matthew 28, at the end of verse 20, Jesus said this, And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. I don't know about you, but I find a lot of encouragement in that verse, and I also find a lot of comfort. Knowing that no matter what life throws at me, no matter what life throws at all of us, no matter what circumstances that we find ourselves in, we're not facing it alone. Our guide is with us. Sometimes he even picks us up and takes us through it. I'm sure we've all the, heard the popular poem, Footprints. And I'm not going to take the time to, uh, to read it all, but the last stanza of the poem says this. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never ever during your trials and, and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Even when we can't feel the, uh, the presence of God, it doesn't mean He's not there. When we can't feel our guide with us, it doesn't mean He's not there. He's definitely there. Could it be that He's giving us the strength that we didn't know we had? Giving us the guidance that we did not know that we're already getting? We need to learn to trust our God, the Holy Spirit. The second thing that we need to understand about trusting our God is this. Our God knows that we can be slow learners. As human beings, this is how we learn. 1% through taste. 1.5% through touch. 3.5% through smell. 11% through hearing. And 83% through sight. And learning usually passes through three stages. You see, in in the beginning, we we learn the right answers. We learn the right answers to our questions. In the second state, we learn the right questions. In the third and final stage, we learn which questions are worth asking. I think we learn this way spiritually as well. How we grow. how, How we mature how the Holy Spirit leads us as we grow. And some of us may even take offense to to this point. But uh, but let's be honest. I'll be honest. There's some lessons I've had to learn slowly. 
And we've all been enrolled in God's spiritual education class. And there's so many times it is a slow process. The Israelites had to learn this. Because you see, the, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That's a long time. Numbers 9, 17 through 19 says this, And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out, and, and in a place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. It's pretty detailed, isn't it? Obviously, what's going on here is it appears that the Israelites are in delay mode. You see, and they were in delay mode because they were not willing to follow God in the promised land to, uh, to begin with. Because you see, rather than trusting God, what, what did they do? They sent in spies. And ten of them out of the twelve came back with negative reports. Negative reports about giants. So, then they decided they didn't want to enter the promised land. And you know what? I, firm, I really find this interesting. Because because let's think about something here. They saw firsthand what happened in Egypt, didn't they? They saw firsthand what God did to Egypt. You see, the ten plagues that God unleashed on, on, on all of Egypt, many of them had lasting effects. Because, uh, because let's think about this. God crippled Egypt agriculturally as well as economically, socially, and politically. Egypt was crippled. Exodus 12.33 says, The Egyptians urged the people to hurry up and leave the country, for otherwise they said, We, we will all die. And later in, in verse 36, it goes on to say, The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Favorably disposed. The Egyptians were wanting them out of the country so bad that they were willing to give them anything they asked for. They finally saw the final stroke of God's justice on Pharaoh and Egypt by destroying his army. Exodus 14, 27-28 says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Now they're in the wilderness. They're wandering around. God has now set up a class for slow learners. During this whole ordeal, He was teaching the Israelites one basic fundamental, and even a monumental lesson. When I say it will be done, it will be done. How many of us this morning have had to relearn that lesson time and time and time again? 
I know I have. Like the children of Israel, we too can, can be slow learners. We too can be slow learners when it comes to having faith. How many of us fall away from time to time? How many of us have experienced a time in our lives that we seem to be going through the wilderness? Nothing seems to be making sense. And we're too busy trying to find a substitute. Evidently, we, we and the Israelites, I, I think I can honestly say we have the same problem. Sometimes do we find it hard to, to trust God as well? We ourselves find excuses not to enter the promised land. How many of us have ever said, it's too far away, the road is too long? How many of us have said, it looks too dangerous, that, that, that doesn't look like fun, people will make fun of me? How many of us have said, but I'm not comfortable. I don't like change. How many of us have said any of these or something similar? Are we trusting our God or are we too busy ourselves looking for substitutes? Have we too been guilty of idolatry as well? Our God knows us and he knows that we too can be slow learners. The third thing that we need to understand about trusting our guide this morning is that when our guide is ready to move in our lives, we need to be ready to move with him. We need to be willing to move with him. Numbers 9, 20 through 23 says this, Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. And when the cloud covered, excuse me, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped, and at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. As we read the scripture, did you ever notice that the cloud was, was it ever asking the Israelites' opinions? Was it ever asking them, hey, do you all feel like moving today? How are y'all feeling today? You guys feel like doing some traveling? It never did. Or did the cloud ever give them advanced notice? It wasn't very, very convenient, was it? Again, what we can learn from this is that when the Holy Spirit is ready to move in our lives, we need to be ready and willing to move with him. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
We, we talk about convenience. Would it seriously be convenient if, if the Holy Spirit would only work in our lives on Sunday mornings at, at, at 10 a.m.? Let's think about that for a minute. Because there is a problem with that. Because if that were true, then we would not be looking for Him to move in our lives any other day of the week. What if He wants to do, to do something great on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, on Saturday, at, at whatever time He chooses? How would we expect the, uh, the Holy Spirit to prepare us for the work that God has planned for us to do if we ourselves expect Him to be convenient? Does God still guide us today in a similar way that He guided the children of Israel long ago? If we truly want more out of the Christian life, then we need to be ready to move at a moment's notice. We need to be ready to move at a moment's notice. And we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Sometimes maybe we need to stop and ask God, What is your plan? My plan's not working. What is your plan? And during this time when we're in the wilderness, we need to think of this. When Jesus tells us in John 14, 16 through 18, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. How many of us this morning are in the wilderness? And there are times, like the Israelites, when, when sometimes we need to hurry up and be ready. We need to hurry up and move. And there's sometimes we need to be ready to hurry up and wait. Because sometimes that cloud was over that camp for several days, maybe even several months or years. But we also need to be ready to hurry up and be patient as well. Because even though, even though we may not feel like we're moving, it doesn't mean that God is not moving. It doesn't mean that He's not working on something. It doesn't mean that he is not working on something not to better prepare us, to bless us in a way that we couldn't imagine. Because I'm going to tell you something else very encouraging this morning. How do we not know that while the Israelites were in the, uh, uh, were in the wilderness all those years, how do we know that he was seeing things that, that they were not? He was hearing conversations that they were not. Maybe he was fighting battles that they did not know was going on. How true is that in our life today? Maybe we're sitting still because God wants us to sit still because he is not. 
He may not take the form of, of a cloud or a pillar of fire today, but he does come in the form of something that we least expect, giving us the answers that we need. In, in conclusion this morning, let's face it, I'm sure there are many of us this morning that's in the wilderness right now. How many of us this morning are confused? Maybe we're asking ourselves these questions. Why is this going on? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand. Going through times like this in our lives, they tend to not make a lick of sense whatsoever. And while attending college, I remember that the band Creed had reached its pinnacle of popularity. It seemed like everybody was listening to Creed. And me being a musician and, and a rock fan, I was a big fan of that group. And their lyrics were very, very interesting, you see, because they spoke of hope, salvation, struggles, surrender, and even a higher power. But yet their lead singer insisted, sometimes very defiantly, that they, that, that they were not a Christian band. When the, when the band reached their end, Scott Stapp, their, um, their former lead singer, found himself in a very dark place. You see, because he was battling a sense of failure and addiction, he admitted that he was in the wilderness. But now, you see, he's in a different stage of life because he learned that, because, it, because he's learned what it feels like when you have a Christian family and also have Christian friends who will not give up on you. But more importantly, he found out what, it, what it's like to know a, a God who will not give up on him either. He discovered what it felt like. To have a God. And he's singing with, with the Christian label today. But you see, we serve a God, a God who is always with us, who will never abandon us, and will love us no matter what and never give up on us. That's a comforting thought. We serve a God and a God who knows firsthand how imperfect and how broken each and every one of us are. He knows that we're slow learners, but he wants to take the time to teach us and mold us because he has a plan for each and every one of us this morning. Finally, we serve a God who isn't interested in sitting still in our lives. And he's not interested in being passive either. And we need to be willing to move with him. When he says go, we, we need to be ready to go. He wants to move, and when he moves, we need to be ready. Something to think about. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much, for, first for Jesus, 
Not only for what he taught us, but for what he did for us. Lord, he didn't just tell us that he loved us. He showed us. He's not just telling us how to get to heaven. He's providing the way. He's, he's taking us to you personally. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to put our faith in you. Lord, when there's times in our lives that that's not making sense at all, please, please be with us and encourage us and remind us that you are always there. You are still working. And that, and, and that you will guide us through it. And you will strengthen us each and every step of the way. Thank you for everyone here this morning. And may we live for you, not just on Sundays, but every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Father God, allow your spirit to move through us, to guide us, and help us to obey. It's your son's name we pray, amen.